Welcome to Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Soundprints for the week of September 2, 2018. It's still hot outside, but with Labor Day and September here, can fall be far behind? And what better way to end the summer and welcome fall than with a sale at the ACB Mini Mall? ACB Silk Touch Polo Shirts for Men and Women are on sale at the Mini Mall. Available in many sizes and colors from medium through 4X, this is your chance to grab one for just $25, sizes medium, large, and extra large, or $28, sizes 2X, 3X, and 4X. ACB Logo Steel Tumbler Mugs are also on sale. Just $14 in your choice of black, green, or orange trim. For more information, visit the Mini Mall at mall.acb.org or call us at 877-630-7190. Jim Crock from Florida is one of the new members of the ACB Board of Directors. Jim was elected to a four-year director's seat on the board in St. Louis. Meet Jim on page two and learn about his career as an attorney and about his very interesting music box collection. It's always fun to find new skills for the Amazon Alexa. We demo two neat features of the Amazon Echo family and a new game called Trivia Treat. It's all on page 3. And on page 4 is the Soundprints calendar. Page 2. I'm speaking with Jim Crock, who is from Florida. And he was elected this past July in St. Louis uh, as a director to the ACB board. And this is the first time that Jim has been on the ACB board. And uh, we are wanting to give everyone out there listening an opportunity to meet Jim. Those people in Florida have known Jim for a long time. And uh, we're just we're glad you're with us, Jim. Well, thank you, Carla. And thank you for inviting me to share a little bit about myself with you all, uh, and I hope that I can keep uh, listeners uh, entertained or amused, <laughs> and uh, I'll try not to bore you all to death. Um, <clears throat> my ACB uh, time um, actually goes back to 1976 or 1977 uh, when ACB met in Miami Beach. Yes. I've been down here a couple years, mm-hmm. and Derwood McDaniel called me and said, <clears throat> I'm coming to Florida, and I'd like to meet you. Um, why don't we have dinner Friday night? Um, <laughs> that was how Derwood got you involved. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's how we all started. Now, interestingly right. enough, I will tell you that um, the server came and asked us what we wanted to eat and gave us a quick uh, synopsis of the of the menu and we both ordered omelets okay and uh, you know kind of a simple thing to eat but it i, I guess at that time the hotel was was uh, kosher mm-hmm. and so the bill came and it was like 19 dollars an omelet in 1977 that was an expensive and omelet in 1977 like, hello <laughs> yeah. um so that was my welcome to ACB, but um, Derwood quickly introduced me to the then American Blind Lawyers Association, and 
I attended their meetings and spoke actually at that uh, first group m- meeting, and uh, it was a fit. I, I, I loved ABBA and am still uh, active in, in, in the Association of Visually Impaired Attorneys, uh, and it's really my first uh, love uh, of ACB. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for the next 20 plus years, I didn't do a lot of, uh, of ACB stuff. I came to conventions, I hung with friends, I went to the lawyers' meetings, and eventually um, Paul Edwards, my good friend uh, and mentor, got me involved, oh, actually Gail got me involved uh, in the Braille Revival League, and eventually the Library Users uh, of America groups, and I, I kind of broadened from there. Um, my FCB uh, involvement was equally uh, sort of slow. Uh, I was a professional working in Miami-Dade County in the 70s and 80s, um, raising a family. Uh, my son was born in 1979. Our daughter was born in 1981. Uh, and they kept us pretty busy. Um, I did uh, go to... Uh, Miami chapter meetings of FCB, uh, some, um, and probably it was in the 90s before I attended a Florida Council convention. Um, And I go from there. I mean, I did some lobbying with FCB over the years, but I didn't do a lot because I worked for local government and the restrictions on mm-hmm. my extracurricular involvement <laughs> yes. were very limited, very right. significant. And your job was important, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I went to Harvard College and Law School, and mm-hmm. when I started looking for work uh, as a second-year, first-year law student, looking for employment, and then as a second-year law student, um, I finally realized that life had been very um, much on a silver platter for me and very golden. Uh, I didn't know what it was like not to get what I wanted to get, mm-hmm. not to have what I wanted, and uh, until I started looking for jobs. Mm. And suddenly words like discrimination and unfair and inequitable uh, had new meanings to me. Um, I was uh, a uh, student at one of the top law schools in the country. Um, I had gone to, similarly, the top college in the country. Uh, I'd done well. I'd worked. I had, uh, in summer jobs, I had decent credentials, but nobody wanted to hire me. And um, it was tough. I, I wasn't prepared for that, no matter how many uh, people that I had talked to um, growing up, and I and I guess I hadn't been around lots of blind people, but some. Um, I just wasn't at all prepared for that. Did you grow um, up in Florida? No, uh, I grew up in California. Oh. Uh, I grew up in California in the Silicon Valley, before it was the Silicon Valley, I'm mm-hmm. old, mm-hmm. and um, was educated in public schools early in the mid-50s, late-50s, in resource programs where they had a teacher of their visually impaired students, but we were educated in our regular uh, sighted classrooms with Mm -hmm. sighted 
kids. Mm-hmm. And this teacher was there to make sure our books were available and our tests were available and, and teach us typing eventually when that became necessary and teach us Braille when kids were learning how to print and write. But otherwise, I was in all-sided uh, classes. Mm-hmm. I applied all over the country. California, big law firm, San Francisco, Palo Alto, San Diego, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Washington, Chicago, New York, not too much New York. but And finally, uh, in the fall, when most law students got their permanent positions, I got nothing. Um, and I was thumbing through some ads, and I came across an advertisement from the county attorney's office in Miami. Uh, I didn't really think about working for local government, um, but it was a very impressive notice, and I was getting kind of desperate, so I said, well, let's send them a resume. And the phone rang, and a dialogue started back and forth, and finally the dialogue went like, well, we'd really like to meet you and interview you. We're very interested in you, but we don't have money to bring... um, law students down to interview and we didn't have money either (laughs) but my grandmother was in florida and my aunt and uncle were in florida and i said you know maybe i'll just take a gamble on this and i'll fly down (laughs) so we committed bought a ticket my wife and i i was married i was on a seven-year honeymoon i got married the day i left for harvard college we just celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary but i'll get to that (laughs) so um, to make a long story short, um, after we bought the ticket, we got a call. Well, we were forced to yield to political pressure and hired a black female from Stanford, and we no longer have an opening. <laughs> I was crushed. Yeah, you had two plane tickets. Uh, I think the plane tickets were refundable, mm-hmm. but I was still crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, nevertheless, we went on. Uh, my ultimate goal was to graduate from law school. It was tough. I was emotionally exhausted uh, from all the rejections. And I was studying for uh, finals, and I got a call from the gentleman that was handling personnel matters, and he says, well, the boss is coming through Boston, uh, and he would like to come over to law school and interview you. And I was pretty annoyed at that point, and I said, well, you know, why do you want to interview me? You already said you had to yield to political pressure and hire a black female. Well, he's very interested in your resume, and he'd like to meet you. (laughs) So he came. We talked for two hours. He flew home. We talked for another two hours on the phone. And it was an extremely good interaction. And the next day, um, I got a phone call from the first assistant and he started asking me all the same questions and I said wait a minute I said you know I'd love to answer your questions I'm really sorry but I said I've got exams to take I don't have a job I have to pass my exams and I don't have time to answer the same questions two or three times Mm -hmm. talk to the county attorney Mm -hmm. and got off the phone Mm -hmm. I guess they couldn't believe I had the guts to do that, <laughs> nor can I when I look back on it. I know. But I was the 20th lawyer hired by the county attorney's office. Uh, Dade County was the first metropolitan form of government in the country, a 
combination of city and county government. The county attorney's office did all the legal work for the county government, uh, operating as the city of Dade County, in essence, in most of Miami. Um, when I left, there were 80 lawyers in the office. Oh, my. Uh, and when I left, I was supervising uh, nine of them. Mm. Um, yes, uh, you would say uh, our law office was probably the most sought-after sought government office in the southeastern United States. It matched any uh, large law firm in the southeastern United States. The county attorneys from then until now believed in hiring primarily Ivy League and top-level graduates, and they also believed that the only way they could maintain a quality office was to pay well. Um, they couldn't do what most government offices do and operate as a training ground and turn their lawyers over every two or three years. Mm -hmm. So it was a career opportunity. I have. It was luck that I got into it. Um, I had told my wife we'd come for a year or two, I'd get some experience, and then we'd go to California where she wanted to live. Uh, two years in, I said, well, let me stay five years. Five years in, our son was a year old. I said, let me vest in the retirement pension, and the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that, that is that is a fascinating story, and I just can't, I tell you, I can't believe that you, oh, I have to go take my test, you know. <laughs> So uh, I was pretty brazen at that point. I was tired, and, mm -hmm. you know, I'd kind of had it. I'd been through 100 interviews, and I'd uh, taken every indignity from you can't tell time when the guy was running late and wanted to blame it on me. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was just tired. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. um, so it, it was. It, it all happened for a reason, and, and there was a basis for it. Mm -hmm. uh, in my career, um, Eventually, I settled in the area of property tax commercial litigation, uh, litigated property valuations and high-end collection matters throughout the county, um, and uh, was responsible for overseeing the legal issues and operations of the county's operating budget, uh, and uh, operated as the chief counsel for the hundreds of special taxing district units that we created to fund special improvements and special services for local neighborhoods. So, Jim, if you were looking for that job today, do you think that it would be much the same as far as the difficulty in getting the job and, and just plain getting the um, interview, getting ta being taken seriously? Sadly to say yes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have the ADA, you have all the advances that have been made, but the number of lawyers that I mentor and continue to work with on a repeated basis are facing uh, the same issues, the same hard hard knocks. Mm -hmm. uh, you'd like to think we, we succeeded, we were successful in what we did, and we paved uh, the, the streets with good intentions. Uh, to make it easier for our brethren coming down the pike, but uh, there's still a, a tremendous amount of resistance um, and outright discrimination. Uh, law firms are reluctant. Uh, government, I mean, the, the federal government has not um, opened its doors widely to lawyers with disabilities. Um, 
notwithstanding uh, pronouncements that they they are always looking for lawyers with disabilities, mm -hmm. um, there just aren't as many as there should be. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tell us a little bit about uh, uh, hobbies or special interests that you have. Sure. Um, you know, um, I, I was one of four. I had three sisters, um, and we were relatively close growing up, um, and family was very important to me. I came from um, parents that had been divorced, and there was a little bit of bouncing back and forth and, and upset and, and all of that. Um, but family was extremely important to me, and one of the unique things about the county attorney's office was that family was important to my employer. Um, and, you know, we were encouraged to, to be at our kids' uh, baseball games or, or wrestling matches or Girl Scout activities um, if they needed us to be there. Um, does that mean we never had to work a weekend? No. But... Uh, I was yelled at for being in my office on the weekend time and time again. So they, family was very important to them, and family was very important to me and my wife. Uh, we made a decision early on um, that we wanted uh, my wife to be a stay-at-home mom, uh, and we both agreed that was what we wanted, and luckily we were able to do it. So she was home raising the kids and, and being an incredible uh support system and, and, and thriving uh, wife and mother, and um, I was able to find plenty of time when the kids were let a little to come home and go out in their wagons and walk the neighborhood or uh, put them in the bath every night or um, do whatever we, we did to, to, to fill our, our activities. We were involved in scouting, um, sporting events. Well, um, I never thought that grandparenting would really be a continuation of the same. Uh, <laughs> However. <laughs> there are always exceptions. Yes. Uh, I kind of knew I was doomed because um, when I convinced my wife after nine years in Florida that um, we were going to stay until I retired, uh, the deal was she could pick where it was that we would retire. Mm -hmm. So a couple of years before retirement, I said, well, where do you want to go? And she says, well, you know, our son is living in Orlando. He's practicing law there. Our daughter, well, he wasn't quite practicing law there yet, but he was in law school. Mm -hmm. Our daughter was in the Orlando area. Uh, she says, I want to go to Orlando. And I said, well... <laughs> Did I hear that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, okay, we'll, um, we'll, we'll sell the house when I retire. She says, no, I'm not ready to sell the house. <laughs> um, so all my retirement planning went to the, to the, to the wind, and we uh, took out our mortgage oh. and bought a second home. Oh. And as crazy as we are, we had a house on an acre, a big house on an acre in Miami with a pool, and now we have a second house on an acre with a pool in Orlando area. Okay. <laughs> but the grandkids are nine, what is this, eight, nine, and uh, almost 12. Okay. <laughs> um, and we spend half our time in each place. Mm -hmm. The grandkids are 
a tremendously important, active part of our lives. Uh, they take a lot of our time and, and energy, and uh, we go up there for all their games, and uh, they come down. My, my grandkids just called to wish me good luck in my surgery tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a, a very active and important part of our lives. Uh, I think I'm more involved as a grandpa than I was as a dad even, and I was pretty involved as a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, hobbies. Well, that's a really interesting story, too. Um, I've always been a reader, and I read a lot, but I will say the last couple of years, I think since I took over as president of Florida Council of the Blind, I sort of stopped having time to do a lot of reading. <laughs> yeah, you're probably answering your phone instead of... But Instead of about, about six years ago, um, I inherited a little bit of money uh, from two people. Uh, one was a, a grammar school nurse that I had stayed close to all my life. Mm-hmm. And another one was a lady that read to me while I was going to Harvard College and law school. Oh, my goodness. Understanding that my wife did a lot of reading, but these ladies from the Carol, now Carroll Center volunteered and would read two to four hours a week and mm-hmm. we stayed friends with this lady and mm-hmm. so I inherited a little bit of money and I said you know everything I've always tried to push over to the family I said I'm going to take this and I'm going to do something crazy <laughs> for me mm-hmm. and I bought two antique music boxes oh I bought an 1898 Regina disc changer. It plays 27-inch metal records. Oh, my goodness. And it plays 12 of them. It's the precursor to the jukebox. Okay. Bought that in California. And then I bought a Mira uh, Swiss music box that Ooh. plays 18-and-a-half-inch metal records. So oh, disc boxes. Uh-huh. Well... A couple people warned me this was a really bad thing to do, and I didn't quite listen to them. And Before I knew it, I had to have one music box in each home, then I had to have one cylinder box and one disc box in each home. <laughs> and let me and then you had to get more records. Let me just say yes. Now I have 32 music boxes ranging from an 1820 little sectional comb oval music box that sits on my mantle to a music box that's seven feet tall and plays three uh, discs at once. Um, I have all shapes and sizes of music boxes, and my wife opened her present for our 50th wedding anniversary last Friday. Surprise, surprise, surprise. It was a music box. My wife hates music boxes. People say, you have brass gonads. But she took out this music box. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's an Italian box. It was really filled with marquetry and inlaid burl wood and just really beautiful. And when you open that music box, I had it playing. It's a cylinder music box. Mm-hmm. And it was pinned and to play our song, mm-hmm. and our song is That's All. Mm-hmm. And the version that we grew up with or courted with was That's All by Ricky Nelson. Okay. 
So that's the version that the arranger of the song used to arrange it for a music box, and then a gentleman in Vermont built the music box and put it in this case, and my wife now has a jewelry box, and in the jewelry music box was an incredible stone for a new ring. Wow. So... It was a lot of fun, but so I have music boxes that range from 1820 to 2018. Uh, so that's the, the that's the gamut of the music box genre. They're all kind. They come in all shapes and sizes, uh, and they're really um, beautiful. I went to England, and Germany, and Italy uh, two summers ago. I came back with three music boxes. Um, I bought two music boxes from an auction in uh, Cologne um, last spring. I um, went to Michigan and bought two music boxes in an auction in Hastings, Michigan uh, last spring. Uh, it keeps me busy. Yeah, it sounds and, like it. Uh, then I re- have them restored. Um, oh. So it's not just buying the music boxes. We just picked up two from the uh, antique restoration folks today and took two more up there. Mm-hmm. I just got three back last week from the uh, mechanical restorer that's had them for almost two years. Mm. So it's an ongoing process, and it's a huge consumer of dollars. I'm sure. I'll bet it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lot of fun, and I yeah. wouldn't trade it. Yeah. Uh, it's a great hobby. That is fascinating. So, yeah, that that, that is definitely um, that's a first on Soundprints. No one has told me that they have thirty-two music boxes of yeah of uh, those types of things. I mean, you know, when you think of somebody having you know music boxes or bell collections or something like that, you don't think of anything like that. I mean, no, the and these music boxes are are some of them I have three six console music boxes that are very large. Mm -hmm. I bought a music box in December in Georgia that plays 12 tubular bells, so it looks like a set of wind chimes down, hanging down, and it's a music box that is accompanied by these 12 tubular bells, Mm. and uh, it's a very unique sound. It's, uh, It's very nice. Then I have orchestral boxes, which include bells, and drums, snare drums, and maracas, and um, castanets, mm. one of them. Mm. And um, I'm waiting my next purchase, if I'm allowed any more, <laughs> um, will have a, a, an organ accompaniment. It's an 1865 or 66 music box with an organ accompaniment. And you got it all picked out, of course. Well, I'm waiting for my restorer to get off his... Uh, Easter and finish it. I see. Okay. <laughs> but he can take his time because I don't think I'm going to be granted any uh, extenuating permission to buy more music boxes <laughs> in the future. Yes, well, I can see why. So, um, well, that that is that is really, really, really interesting. And the music boxes, I see, are they your, do you collect anything else other than the music boxes? Or I do not. Yeah. Um, I I collected coins for a little while, mm-hmm. and I'm 
unfortunately in 1980 we were robbed and my coin collection went and it wasn't insured and it kind of killed my yeah. taste for collecting coins or replenishing mm -hmm. the stock. Right. Um, I did radio drama for a little while, but I didn't stay with that. Mm -hmm. um, really, the, uh, and then we were big in folk music, and uh, we, for a good 15 years, collected. I have about a 2,000 CD collection, mm -hmm. um, uh, and so we did that and spent a lot of time and energy with that and enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. and still like it, but mm -hmm. uh, now I'm into other things. Mm -hmm. Gee, this has really been, really been fascinating. I really appreciate you taking time tonight to talk to us. I, I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy hearing not only about your, um, that music box collection, but also about the, um, just the, the job search and how that, um, how, how that's still true today. And I think a lot of people can identify with with that you know it's true but i think the most important thing is and as i tell those who i mentor mm -hmm. you you have to not give up mm -hmm. you have to believe in yourself first and foremost and the most frustration i have when i talk to people is getting them to understand that if they don't believe in themselves that they can and will succeed and can do their best and can do a good job, they can't expect anybody else to believe that. And that's so, true whether the person has a disability or does not. Absolutely correct. Right. But it's especially true if you have a disability. Right. Because then you have that much more that you have to prove. That's right. Uh, unfortunately, like it or not. Right. Uh, so I'm a firm believer in that. Um, and uh, I, I also believe that any foot you could get in the door anywhere, uh, mm -hmm. you're better off than with no foot in the door. Right. Um, and so often people limit themselves. Well, I'm not going to do this because I'm not going to do that because. And, you know, yes, I've been lucky in my life. I was lucky in love. I was lucky in family. I'm lucky in job. I'm lucky in everything I've done. Um, but, you know, there have been bumps, there have been heartaches, uh, of course. Um, but you rise above them. I, I remember after Hurricane Andrew hit our house, which was under construction, and all but demolished it, and my kids were uh, 11 and 13. We walked around the neighborhood and looked at all the houses that were worse, and we came back and we stayed there. And I knew we weren't going to leave the house because it was under construction and we just didn't want to go through the vandalism. And I said, you know, guys, I said, this is a terrible thing to go through. And I said, but someday, after getting through it, you're going to look back and you're going to call upon the inner strength, the courage, the dedication, and the commitment that got you through it, and it's going to get you to, to the next step up. You know, my son closed on his first home in Orlando the day that Hurricane Charlie went through, and we sat in his house with no furniture while the storm passed over. And during the break in the in the storm, you know, there, there's always mm -hmm. a, a period mm -hmm. uh, between the eye, mm -hmm. the eye mm -hmm. and the eye was passing, and I went in the bathroom, and I'm sitting in the bathroom, and I'm hearing 
these shingles rip off my son's roof. Oh. And I'm like, how do I go out there and tell my son that his first house is losing its roof? Yeah. And, you know, my son went went through it. He got his insurance company to replace a roof that was 20% shot with a brand new roof. He got a new fence. Uh, he just finished building a brand new house uh, 10 years later. Um, you know, th- they get strength and courage from what what they grew up with and you know we went through all that and it was tough Mm -hmm. but ultimately you're better for it Mm -hmm. and you got to take your take your knocks and and roll with them and you know make lemonade yep well jim i really enjoyed this this has been truly fascinating and i'm so glad that you are on the acb board you're there for four years and I think ACB is is uh, is lucky for it. So we are well, I, glad to have you there. I, I look forward to my service on the board. I thoroughly enjoyed my uh, positions with the Florida Council. Now it's time to, to do a little bit for ACB, and I'm very grateful to uh, all of those who helped put me in, in office. And I look forward to doing all I can to improve uh, the quality of uh, life for all of us. You know, I need to tell a Jim Croc story um, before we go. I don't even know if you remember doing this. Um, but I, I think, I don't know if it was when we were going to Orlando or when we, were you in Las Vegas in 2005? Yes. Okay. And obviously you were in Orlando in 2009. So, I don't remember which convention it was, but I was convention coordinator, and you called me up. I really think it was 2009, Um, but you called me up, and you said, uh, I'm thinking of coming to the convention. I'm thinking of staying at the hotel, and I have an opportunity to get a hotel room at a highly discounted rate, and I think our rate was, I don't know, it was 80-something, and you were able to get the room for 49 or 59 bucks. And you said, I want to know if I do this, if this is going to harm ACB. Is, and I, you know, I kind of hemmed and hawed around a little bit because, I mean, I didn't figure I could tell you what to do. And uh, you said, no, I want to know if, you know, I know that there are these Rule, these um, performance standards that ACB has, and I just want to know if you need this room uh, in order to make sure that you don't have to pay for this in another way. And I, I don't remember what I said, but something like, uh, "Well, we could, you know, we it 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 we are counting the room nights." And you said, "Okay, that tells me what I need to know." And you and you said, "I'll I'll call and make my reservations under the block." Now, I'm going to tell you, Jim, not a lot of people would do that. And well, and people, uh, a lot of times when they go to conventions, especially in popular areas, it's, it's, they, they, in the hotel calls that they walk around the block. And, and that means that they're picking up the cheap rooms that are available at the last minute at the hotel, and that really harms the convention. And, and, I, and that, I'm telling you, all the years... That I was convention coordinator, that was the only call that I, I've ever had from a person who truly understood the implications of 
of, of what was, we were talking about that day. Well, thank you. Um, I, I take that as a compliment, number one. But number two, it, it, it's basically kind of the way I operate in life. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's important. Uh, I, I had to laugh yesterday. Um, we had, were at a, ti- at a condo in Vero Beach for our anniversary, mm-hmm. and we were packing up the car. My back is very bad, and I really can't do the lifting I used to do. Mm-hmm. And we loaded two loads to the car the night before using one of those luggage carts. Mm-hmm. And my wife says, well, I'm calling um, the gentleman that we know who works there mm-hmm. uh, to come do the last load mm-hmm. this morning. Mm-hmm. And I said, go ahead and call him. I don't care. <laughs> well, I know the reason she called him is she wanted to give him money. <laughs> he counts on it every year when we come, and we're n- normally used to paying him for helping us out. So mm-hmm. he came and took the third load. I could have done it, but it was mm-hmm. okay. It was good. Mm-hmm. And, no, I don't – I know exactly why that call was made. My daughter was actually working at one of those hotels, mm-hmm. and she could have gotten me a room for less than half right. of that. Exactly. That's but right. It, it, it was more important to me not mm-hmm. to punish ACB for a few dollars. Yeah. And luckily, I'm, I can I could do huh? that. Yeah. And and you said, well, there's no point in my contributing in one way and just taking it back in another. So. Thank so, you, Carla. That was a nice story. Oh, I, it, I was I was really impressed with that, and uh, you know, because that was just a call I never expected to receive. So, well, welcome to the board, and welcome to the the national uh, board. Uh, I I know that you're going to do a good job, and best of luck on your surgery tomorrow. I hope it goes well. Thank you. It will go well. I'm just uh, hopeful that I'll be able to make it to Rochester for yes. my first board meeting in person. Yes. If I don't, I will do everything in my power to be there telephonically. Right. Um, I have let Kim know that there is a possibility that I will not be able to travel in early mm-hmm. October. Right. Um, but we'll give it our best shot, and if not, we'll be there at the next one with bells on. Right. And uh, thank you for listening. Right. And. Uh, if anybody, you know, has any questions or wants to talk to me further, okay. um, I think my information is in the forum, but my email address is jkk48 at bellsouth.net, and my cell phone number is 305-724-3720. I do talk to people, uh, not for the next week or so. Um <laughs> And, you know, if I can help, um, I'm, I'm, I'm here to help, and I, and I try to be a good listener. All right. Well, thank you very much. Have a nice evening, and uh, best of luck to you in the coming months. Page three. Many of us have Amazon Echo devices, whether they be Echoes or Dots or even the Tap. It is a wonderful device that allows us to do many things by voice commands and actually the Echo, as you know, doesn't even have a screen unless you have the, uh, the, the one version that comes with the screen. So it's a very user-friendly device. We're going to check out a couple of skills today as well as some of the capabilities that the Echo has. First of all, I wonder how many of you know that the Echo can be an intercom. For example, if you have Echoes in several different rooms, 
you can say, Alexa, drop in. Do you want to drop in on bedroom two, Bel Air or kitchen? Kitchen. Hello. Hello. We're on Soundprints and we're demonstrating that I'm speaking to you from the library upstairs and you're downstairs in the kitchen. I am downstairs in the kitchen and I can hear you very clearly. Great. Okay. Next, I'm going to do an announcement. So, Alexa, stop. As you can see, you have to say your name. So next, I'm going to demonstrate the announcement capability. This, at least for me, is relatively new. Instead of functioning as a two-way intercom, you can make an announcement to all of your Echo devices throughout your house, or even if you have an Echo device in another location. For example, I might want to let Adam know that our ride has come, and he may be upstairs and I'm downstairs. I don't really need an intercom, but instead I can say, Alexa, announce the ride is here. Announcing. Ride is here. So as you can see, that makes the announcement in your voice. Adam heard that announcement in the kitchen downstairs, but he couldn't reply to the announcement because that was a one-way communication. Let's try a couple of trivia games. At roundabout each Friday, we usually wind up playing some trivia with the Echo, and it happens week after week, and it's always a little bit different. A couple of weeks ago, we tried out a new game that we had just discovered called Trivia Treat, and while it doesn't function as smoothly as a number of the other games, it is kind of fun, and it's a short game. So we're going to give it a try. Alexa, play Trivia Treat. Trivia Treat. Welcome back to Trivia Treat. Remember, if you come up on a question that you can't answer, you could always trade it out for another, although it'll cost you five points. Today's trivia is about... Nature. Do you need to hear the rules again, or are you ready to play? Rules. On Trivia Treat... Challenge yourself each day with brain teasers. Every day you get a trivia with five questions. Do you want to learn more about the scoring, or are you ready to play today's trivia? Scoring. A trivia treat game is made up of five questions. Round one is the easiest and has two questions worth 10 points each. Round two is intermediate and has two questions of 20 points each. The final round has one question for a whole 40 points. The highest score you can get is 100. Now, in each game, you have three trades. You can use them any time, any round, but each trade question costs you five points. So try not to use them all in round one. Got it? Good. Are you ready to play Trivia Treat? Play. This Trivia Treat is about... Nature. Okay, round one, questions are worth 10 points. First question, what is the only mammal capable of flight? Bat. 
Nice job. That's right. The answer was the bat. Question two. Which flightless bird's eye is bigger than its brain? Trade. All right, your first trade. Remember, you're losing five points, but here's your question. What is the largest ocean on Earth? Pacific. Nice job. That's right. The answer was Pacific Ocean. You have 15 points total. Not bad for round one. See if you can handle round two. Hey, we're in round two now where questions are worth 20. First question. What is the only insect to migrate to warmer climates during the winter? Trade. What is the only insect to migrate to warmer climates during the winter? Or would you like to trade? Trade. All right, you're using your second trade. Remember, you only have one remaining. Here's the question. Which animal does not have eyeballs, but rather eye tubes, making it impossible to move or roll its eyes? Don't know. Would you like to skip or trade the question? Skip. Nice try, but wrong answer. The answer was owl. Question two. What insect depends more on sight rather than sound to attract a mate? What insect depends more on sight rather than sound to attract a mate? Or Mos would you like to trade? Mosquito? Sorry, wrong. The answer was firefly. You have 10 points total. Next up, the final round. Nice job. We are entering the final round. 40 points on the line. Are you ready? Which animal has the longest gestation period, lasting over a year and a half? Elephant. Amazing. That's right. The answer was elephant. You have 50 points total. Well, that was embarrassing. Don't worry, I'll keep it between us. Trivia <laughs> treat. Would you like to play another game? No. That was great. Come back tomorrow for some more trivia treat. You can play three of those little games each day. And you can replay them if you would like. There are a lot of other word games and trivia games on the Echo. And we'll demo some of them for you from time to time. We hope you've enjoyed this time with Alexa. Page 4, The Sound Prints Calendar. On September 4, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its next conference call meeting and support group at 8 p.m. on the conference line. Individuals statewide experiencing low vision are encouraged to call in and ask questions, share tips, and offer comments. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. 
On September 6, the American Council of Blind Lions will have its monthly conference call at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. This is for lions from around the country, and it's an excellent opportunity to share ideas about how to be involved in local clubs. At 9 p.m. Eastern, call 712-432-3900 and enter code 796096. On September 7, the Greater Louisville Council of Blind Roundabout will follow the usual first Friday schedule with education and technology from 3.30 to 5, discussion time 5 to 6, dinner 6 to 7, games, crafts, and time to visit with friends from 7 until 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, call 502-895-4598 for more information. On September 8, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Board will meet at 11 a.m. Eastern Time by conference call at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On September 9, KCB Next Generation will have its next chapter meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time by conference call. This is open to members who are 40 and under. The phone number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 3572-595-193. On September 9, ACB Families will have its next monthly meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can participate from anywhere in the country and this will be a combination business meeting and discussion time at 712-432-3900. The code is 796096. On September 10, KCB Next Generation invites everyone 40 and under nationwide to participate in its next conference call for the purpose of beginning to develop an ACB special interest affiliate for members under 40. The call is at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and the number is 669-900-6833. The code is 3572-595-193. For more information, contact Amanda Salm at 502-750-1774 or email Amanda at alsmoot, S-M-O-O-T-87, at gmail.com. On September 11, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have its picnic in Owensboro, Kentucky, noon to 2.30 p.m. Central Time. Information and location to be announced. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170. On September 12, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind has its next conference call meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 605-475-4700 and enter code 155619. For more information about NKCB, call Jerry Slusher at 859-781-7369. On September 13, Savvy will have a workshop on iPhone accessibility. From 10 a.m. to noon Central Time, join Savvy as they explore the iPhone accessibility features for the visually impaired. 
at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418. On September 13, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its next in-person support group meeting from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. in Louisville at United Crescent Hill Ministries. We will be sharing tips, ideas, and we'll have an opportunity to try out the Envision America script talk as well as discuss other labeling opportunities. For more information, call 502-895-4598. On September 14, GLCB Roundabout will include education and technology from 3.30 to 5, tips and sharing time from 5 to 6, dinner 6 to 7, bargain table at 7, bingo $2 per person 7.30 to 9.30. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, sign up by calling 502-895-4598. On September 16, the KSB Alumni Board will hold its next meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The conference call number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. On September 17, the KCB Board will meet at 7.30 p.m. By conference call, dial 669-900-6833 and enter code 3572-595-193. On September 20, Savvy will have a booth at Senior Day Out in Owensboro, 8.30 a.m. to noon. Stop by their booth at Town Square Mall in Owensboro to learn more about visual impairment and the support alliance of the visually impaired. On September 21, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its quarterly meeting and dinner. Roundabout activities will begin at 3.30. Registration for the dinner and bargain table will open at 4.30. And the program, business, and dinner will begin at 5.15. For more information, call GLCB at 502-895-4598. On September 23, ACB families will have a support group meeting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Participate from anywhere in the country by calling 712-432-3900 and enter code 796096. On September 24, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana will have its next membership conference call. It's at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and it's open to anyone interested in guide dogs or anyone who has a guide dog in Kentucky or southern Indiana. To join the call, call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. September 26 is the Bluegrass Council Peer Support Group Meeting from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office in Lexington. For more information, call 859-259-1834. On September 27, Savvy will have another iPhone accessibility workshop from 10 a.m. to noon Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church in Owensboro. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418. On September 27, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its second support group meeting of the month from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at the United Crescent Hill Ministries 
in Louisville. The speaker at this meeting will be from the American Printing House for the Blind, and participants will have the chance to try out low vision products. For more information, call 502-895-4598. On September 28th, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have a roundabout. 3.30 to 5 p.m. will be Braille and Technology. The tip sheet from 5 to 5.30. Page turners, 5.30 to 6. Dinners, 6 to 7. KCB Next Generation Activity at 7 o'clock and games and other activities from 7 until 9.30. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, for more information, call 502-895-4598. September 29 is Coping with Vision Loss, from 1 to 3 p.m. People new to vision loss must address a host of practical issues and cope with a myriad of emotions. We have brought together a panel of experts to help tackle the tough questions. Come and be part of the discussion at the American Printing House Museum, 1839 Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville. Registration is required. Call 502-899-2213. And the KCB convention will be held on November 16 and 17. Watch for more details coming soon. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, Call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.